The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In this episode, Victoria shares the pregnancies and births of her two children, Ezra and Lumi. Ezra was an induced vaginal birth in hospital, and although it was the intervention-free birth she was hoping for, she was still a bit disappointed in the care she received and planned to go ahead with the home birth the second time around. With her second pregnancy, there were some ups and downs with what maternity care was available, and in the end, due to COVID, she was actually able to arrange a home birth at the very last minute. Lumi's birth was empowering and set her up for a positive start to postpartum and breastfeeding. Victoria is a Chinese medicine practitioner and also has a small business, Tiny Tot Tinctures, making topical herbal baby products. I actually used her nappy balm when Alice was a baby and still use what's left on small bumps and scrapes, so I can definitely recommend checking out her products if you're preparing to welcome a newborn or have a new baby with nappy rash. You can find a link to her website in the show notes. Just a note that the sound quality from my end is not great in this episode, but you can hear Victoria really clearly, so hopefully um, that's fine. Not quite sure what happened there, but we'll fix it next time. And I'll let Victoria share her story. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Good, thanks. Thank you for having me. That's such a pleasure. <laughs> Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and, yeah, what you've been up to this year? Sure. I um, I live in central Victoria in Castlemaine with my partner and our two children, Ezra, who is just over four and a half, and Lumi, our baby, who's seven months old. Um, and, I mean, the last year we've just mainly been at home because of COVID and lockdown, <laughs> um, but I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner and I've been taking a little break while Lumi's small, but I I make topical herbal products for babies and children. Mm, amazing. I actually bought some of your um, nappy balm when or, or when I was pregnant with Alice. Uh, <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm so oh, great. Nappy rash, but we've just used it for everything else, like little cups and plates and um, yeah, it's great for that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, it's really beautiful. <laughs> um, so we might start with Ezra's pregnancy. How how did that pregnancy come about? Was that a planned conception? Um, it wasn't exactly planned, but we were pretty open to having children, so it was sort of a more of a welcome surprise. <laughs> mm, yeah. And how did you feel when you found out? 
Um, yeah, I was pretty excited mostly, a little bit shocked and maybe a little bit scared, but mostly pretty excited. Mm. Yeah. And you planned a hospital birth um, with Ezra. So, um, yeah, when you found out that you're pregnant, how was that kind of early period and what sort of factors played into your decision for finding um, a care provider? Um, I sort of, the idea of a home birth crossed my mind. I've won, I'm one of um, five children and my mum birthed three of, three of us at home. Um, so I was sort of open to that idea, but um, I maybe naively thought that I could have a, a hospital style, I mean a home style birth in a hospital if I was prepared enough. Um, so I decided to birth in a hospital in the yeah. end, um, and I he was born at the Mercy in Heidelberg. Yeah, okay. In Melbourne. And how was your rest, the rest of your pregnancy that time around? Did you have any kind of symptoms or health issues come up at all? I had really bad morning sickness at the beginning. I spent a lot of a lot of time throwing up, um, and it was a bit stressful. We were renovating our house, and we moved a bunch of times. So we couldn't keep living where we were living because it was just too much of a building site to live there at the end. And my morning sickness was really bad, so it wasn't wasn't very comfortable living there. So we, we moved a couple of times. Um, but after the morning sickness finished at about 16 weeks, I think I stopped throwing up, and then by 20 weeks the nausea was gone. <clears throat> and then I, I felt pretty great for the rest of my pregnancy, actually, I I really enjoyed that pregnancy for the second half. Mm, yeah. And and what were did you kind of have any idea? Had you done any birth education um, during that pregnancy, or did you have kind of any idea of, of what you would like for your birth or a birth plan or anything like that? Yeah, I I didn't actually do any classes, but I basically just read a lot of books, um, and I was pretty sure that I wanted to have a really natural birth um, without pain relief and ideally with as little intervention as possible. Um, but I, which was sort of fine, I had a really detailed birth plan and I felt pretty confident in that decision. I had hoped to get into one of the midwifery programs um, at the Mercy so I could be in the birth centre as opposed to the hospital. But um, for some reason, they fill up really quickly. So even at my first appointment, I think I was only 12 weeks, but the spots were already taken. So I still had midwifery care, but it wasn't in the birth centre. And I was fairly confident that I would still be able to have the birth I wanted until about 40 weeks um, when I went in for my last appointment and his measurements had changed and he was measuring small and then they wanted to induce me. Um, so that was a bit hard to come to terms with, that it wasn't going to be the, the natural birth that I'd hoped for. Um, mm. But in the end, I was still, I was induced, um, but I was still able to not have any pain relief. And, yeah, I was still sort of able to keep it semi on the right track, but it, I was still hooked up to a, the artificial oxytocin, whatever it's called, for the whole time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
And and just briefly, kind of, how did that labour pan out once you'd um, been induced? Um, it was pretty straightforward, really. I was induced. They broke my waters and hooked me up um, to the oxytocin, and then it's just sort of you instantly go into pretty intense labour. And then it was basically ten hours exactly. Um, Unfortunately, the midwife, there was a change of shift and the midwife that I had at the end sort of didn't really realise how progressed I was maybe Um, and she suggested that I go to the toilet after I'd started pushing Um, and then he was almost born in the toilet but they, they managed to get me on the ground and then it was all she sort of freaked out because she wasn't expecting that to happen and she wasn't ready. And in the end, I was sort of squished under the under the basin and on my back, which obviously I wasn't ideal. Um, and he was born on the toilet floor. <laughs> wow! Wow! And who did the midwife sort of catch him and and give him? Yeah, the midwife caught him, and he was placed on my chest straight away. Um, but unfortunately, even though I specified in my birth plan and then again verbally when we got to the hospital and just before they induced me they she clamped his cord straight away so I was pretty disappointed about that um so it was yeah there are a few things that just you know weren't ideal but on the whole it it wasn't too bad in comparison to how it can go yeah and yeah. how was your kind of introduction to motherhood that first time around in the early days and weeks? Uh, it was it was a bit rough at the beginning. <laughs> he didn't latch very easily, so breastfeeding was pretty hard. Um, and he did have a slight tongue tie, so we got that revised when he was about two weeks old. Um, and it was still, it still took a good, it was probably three months before feeds were sort of easier. He was just on and off all the time and um, feeding could take, you know, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. Um, but we did eventually get there and then I breastfed for a really long time. I ended up being, breastfeeding him until he was just over three and a half when he self-weaned. Mm, amazing. And was that, um, I might be totally off here, but was that kind of tricky introduction to breastfeeding kind of what prompted you to start Tiny Tots? Is it Tiny Tot Tinctures? Yeah, Tiny Tot Tinctures. Um, Yeah, that and I think I just, um, I was at home with him and I uh, had stopped practising Chinese medicine when he was born and I sort of wanted to get back into it but I, also wanted to be able to stay home with him. So it was kind of a nice balance to create some herbal products that I had been using with him um, that I could, you know, give to other people to help them if they needed it. Mm. Amazing. And then, yeah, what was, um, at what point did you sort of come to the decision or maybe didn't come to a decision that you would like to try for a second? Uh, I think Ezra was, how old was he? He must have been just over three. And we kind of thought that it would be nice for him to have a sibling. And, again, we weren't really trying, but we were pretty open to the idea of another baby. 
Um, and so that's how, how it happened the second time. It was, yeah, still a little bit of a surprise, but it, it was another welcome surprise. <laughs> yeah. And this time around, you, did you kind of know before you felt pregnant that you'd like to have a home birth this time around or how, how did that decision come about? Yeah, I was really sure when I found out I was pregnant there was sort of no doubt in my mind that I would birth at home. Um, but that sort of for a long time didn't seem like it would be what would happen because I um, caught there's only two midwives that um, do home births here and they have to work in pairs and one of them wasn't available in March when she was due. So uh didn't look like home birth was an option um and so I was I mean I'm pretty lucky here the the hospital here is pretty progressive you get um sort of shared care with a, one of the local GPs who will be there who do your sort of pregnancy care and then they're there at your birth um and then there's midwives at the hospital obviously and the the doctors uh a really progressive so the doctor that I chose you can choose the one that you want the doctor that I chose has had four home births herself and it's yeah she was just really um really about me making sure that I was happy with the choices in my pregnancy and having the even though it wasn't going to be at home having the birth that I wanted to have um and Ezra was going to be able to be there um, and it took me a little, did take me a little while to come to terms with not having a home birth, but then I felt pretty happy with the alternative in the end. Yeah. And and how was that pregnancy, the rest of that pregnancy for you? Uh, I To be honest, I didn't really enjoy her pregnancy. It was quite hard. I was nauseous pretty much the whole way through. I felt sort of a bit better from 37 weeks, but I, yeah, I was throwing up quite a lot at the beginning um, and we'd actually planned a a road trip at the beginning of her pregnancy. So that was interesting because I was sick for the whole time for the six weeks. Oh, my gosh, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily we went to the, we went up north and we were by the beach and I think the sea is really, it's really healing, I think. So it did help to be by the water, but it was still, it was still yeah. hard work. Not so nice to be in the car when you're already feeling so. No, we definitely changed our plan because we were going to be spending a lot of time in the car, and we we ended up spending much less time in the car and much more time um, at the beach, and we stayed for longer in places, which was good as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the slow pace, a bit more achievable. Yeah, that was yeah. nice. And and you did end up having a home birth. So at what point did that kind of change? It sounds like you had pretty amazing care um, with the doctor that you chose. But um, yeah, how did things change? And how many weeks were you at that point? Um. So right up until my <clears throat> right up until my forty week appointment. I thought that I would be birthing in hospital and then the whole COVID situation started to escalate and I went to my appointment 
with my doctor, Ronnie, who said that they, the hospital had specified that they didn't want children at the hospital anymore. Um, and so that meant trying to find someone to be with Ezra at home, which I was sort of really disappointed about because I sort of felt like uh, in a lot of ways it felt similar to Ezra's birth in that things were becoming sort of out of my control and, and not the way that I'd planned them, which, of course, is how birth can be anyway. But um, I was feeling pretty disappointed about that. And I sort of started thinking about the home birth again and I rang a different midwife who used to do home births in the area, but she um, she's not practising, so that wasn't an option. And then... Um, my doctor did say that she was happy for for Ezra to come to the hospital, and he just wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to bring my mum, which who was going to be there to be his support person. Um, and she was happy for him to be there, but um, we wouldn't be able to have anyone else. And then she didn't think that the hospital would sort of turn him away, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then I. So, so very nice to be going in with that, you know, hoping that it's okay. But. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and then I got a phone call from the hospital actually who um, they called to say that under no circumstances would children be allowed in. So uh. basically even if we were to turn up with him, even if I was in labour, then Fed, my partner, would have had to stay with him until someone else came to be with him or something. So then after that I called the midwife, the home birth midwife in this area again and she hadn't actually been able to go away on her planned trip because of COVID so she was available. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so I made a really last-minute decision. I, uh, I think I was 41 weeks and I called her and she said that she would do it um, and she came over on the Sunday afternoon I think it was and Lumi was born on the Tuesday yeah that's right and I filled out all the forms and then the next day she came back with the other midwife um, Marie Louise and so I met them both and I felt really comfortable with them straight away so that was great <laughs> and then Early the next morning, I went into labour. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I for you at the last minute. That's, yeah. Mm. It was great. And how did your labour begin? Uh, it had sort of started on the Monday, but I didn't realise because I was induced the first time. I just wasn't sure that it was labour and I was sort of having tightenings and like non-painful contractions um, throughout that whole day. Um, and then I actually spoke to my doctor who said that so when I called her to tell her that I'd changed my mind and I was going to birth at home. And then she sort of said that um, if for some reason I did go too long or something happened and I had to be in hospital, then if I went over um, 
I think it was if I went over 42 weeks, then I couldn't even go to the Castle Main Hospital because they only take low-risk people. Um, so I got a bit worried then because I was already nine days over. Um, and, you know, everything was going fine. So I was pretty confident that I wouldn't need to be in a hospital anyway, but I definitely didn't want to go to Bendigo if I did have to go to hospital. And with the so, home, sorry, with the home birth midwives only happy to support your birth up to 42 weeks? No, they were happy to go beyond that, but they would, if it got to 42 weeks, then they would want me to have monitoring at the hospital just to make sure every couple of days to make sure everything was okay. Mm. Um, and then if for some reason, if it wasn't okay, then I wouldn't even have the option of going to Castlemaine and I would have had to go to Bendigo, which would have been a whole different experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really hard to weigh those things up when you've, like with that, with your original doctor, you've got quite a good option there. It sounds like she would have been positive and to weigh up kind of risking that for potentially something better or potentially something a lot worse. (laughs) Yeah. I can see how that's hard and doesn't necessarily feel great um, to have to make that decision. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit tricky there, but in the end it all worked out great because I did go into labour. Mm-hmm. Actually, the night before, I, in the evening after I spoke to my doctor, and I definitely didn't want to go to Bendigo, so I went and did a whole bunch of gardening and I moved heaps of wheelbarrow loads of mulch <laughs> in the hope that something might happen and it did. Um, that evening when I was just before I went to bed, I started losing my mucus plug. And then I woke up at, must have been about 2.30 in the morning, having contractions that were definitely strong, painful ones. So it was, it was starting. And I actually, I tried to rest thinking that, you know, I should rest for as long as possible, especially being 2 o'clock in the morning, but they were just too intense. So I got up and for some reason decided to clean up my son's toys. (laughs) Um, And then maybe at about 4.30 my partner got up and we hadn't set up the birth pool yet because it had been so last minute so he started blowing up the birth pool at five o'clock in the morning and getting everything ready and then I called my midwife and I just because I had been induced the time before I really wasn't I wasn't really sure if it was just early labor or I don't know I just wasn't sure how fast it would go Um, so she decided she lives maybe 50 minutes away, I think. So she decided to come at that point. And I think she got here at about 6, 6.30 in the morning, maybe. Um, and Ezra had just woken up by that point and Fed had filled up the the birth, birth pool. Um, and then... She suggested that I get into the pool if I wanted to and I was pretty tired already because I hadn't had much sleep. (laughs) So I did get into the pool, which was lovely, Um, but then my labour slowed down 
and the contractions were maybe 10 minutes apart. So Elizabeth, my midwife, decided that she would go and have some breakfast and I tried to get some sleep. And, I, yeah, I did for about an hour. I slept in sort of 10-minute slots in between my contractions, which was great. <laughs> and then they sort of started getting more intense again and were maybe five minutes apart again, maybe four. And then um, by that point I got up and sort of walked around our veggie garden for maybe an hour or something. And then, yeah, the contractions got more intense and my midwife came back and I got back into the birth pool, I think. And then the other midwife arrived as well and they just every, I don't know, maybe every half an hour they just checked the heartbeat of the baby and basically just left me to to labour. I sort of really wanted to be able to have a birth that was completely intervention-free, so I didn't want any internal checks and I just really wanted to be able to do it myself. I think because I, in a lot of ways, I felt like the way that I'd wanted to do it with Ezra hadn't ended up being possible. So I really wanted to have that experience of just really letting my body do it without any intervention at all. Mm. And they were really supportive of that and they, yeah, they didn't do any internal checks and they just monitored the heart rate um, and basically left me to do it how I wanted to. And I spent most of the time in the birth pool, which was great. I did get out a couple of times um, to try particular that you were doing to help manage the intensity of the contractions or any techniques um, that you'd learnt from the last time? Um, I, kind, I did a lot of moving. <laughs> I couldn't stay still during the contractions, so I did move around a lot in the birth pool. It was great that there's those two handles on the top of the pool <laughs> and mm. I held onto them and I, like, moved a lot, which I just I needed to do to manage the pain. It was quite an intense labour. She was posterior and it went for 17 hours in the end and, it, it, yeah, it was, it was it felt really intense in a lot of ways even though I wasn't induced and the start of it was much gentler, much more gentle because of that, it was still, yeah, it was really quite intense because she was posterior. Mm. Um, and the midwives did suggest a couple of times that I go try sitting on the toilet or put my legs in certain positions during contractions, especially towards the end, to try and get her to turn around. And she did eventually. She she did eventually turn, so she wasn't born in that posterior position, but she made her way around slowly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so entering that, that last stage, um, did, your kind of, did your waters break or what was it like as you entered the pushing stage for you? Um, basically, it, it just got more and more intense and then my waters still hadn't broken and was really exhausted and then 
yeah, the contractions were sort of back to back for a while. And then suddenly there was like, I don't know, it just felt like a huge explosion of water into the pool and her, yeah, my waters broke. And then she was, I just started pushing instantly. And I think within, I don't know, a couple of minutes she was born, um, which was, yeah, it was really fast at the end. And all I'd sort of wanted for this birth was to have, I really didn't want any intervention and I wanted to catch her myself. And so it was, yeah, I was able to do that and her head was born and Ezra was sitting by the fire drawing and he came over when her head was born and then her shoulder and then, yeah, and then she was born into my hands and I brought her up onto my chest and it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing actually, just that sense of relief and having done it the way that I'd wanted to and it was pretty empowering. Yeah, definitely. That sounds so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. It was, a, it was probably the, the most empowering thing that I've done in my life, I think. Mm. You come off a bit of a high like that and yeah. do you feel like the you felt differently because you hadn't had the induction drugs as well? Like was the um, kind of emotional or hormonal state that you were in different to the first time? Yeah, definitely. It was it was really intense. Like I, I brought her up out of the water onto my chest straight away and I just, I don't know, the love that I felt for her in that moment was so overwhelming and so strong and I didn't, I had sort of, it was really different with Ezra because he was, maybe it was the birth, I don't know what it was, but I felt like that feeling sort of grew as opposed to it wasn't necessarily there in that first instant with him. I was still relieved and it was still a special moment when he was put on my chest, but with Lumi it was just a really powerful feeling that I had of just like so much love and relief and yeah it was really amazing. And did you stay um, with her in the water for a little while or did you get out fairly quickly? I stayed in the water for quite a while she had her first feed in there um, but my placenta wasn't coming out so I did eventually get out of the water and they got the um, birth stool and I sat on that to birth the placenta out. Yeah. We didn't cover with your first birth with with Ezra. Was that, um, did you have the injection to release the placenta? Yeah, I did. And I, and that was one of those other things that I felt like I sort of didn't really have a say over in the hospital because I had specified that I didn't want that like I wanted the physiological third stage um but they I think I don't know if because I was induced they have to or they just did it anyway but she kind of just was like I'm gonna give you this injection now and it was sort of said in a way that I I don't know <laughs> I didn't really feel like it was a question it was just more of a statement and I was it's all a bit shocked and everything after his birth so that sort of happened straight away she gave me that shot yeah, I don't, I've got no idea whether that's like something that if you have an induction you have to have or not, but um, either way she should have gotten consent from you first. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have to have it if you haven't, if you've been induced. I'm, I'm not sure either. But yeah, it was nice not to have to have any of that stuff this yeah. time around. Yeah, that must have been amazing. And yeah, what was the introduction like with um, Ezra? Um, with Lumi, sorry. The... Introducing Ezra and Lumi. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it was it was really nice. He he came over to the pool and. Uh, he sort of just, I don't know, just watched really and then we had a look to see whether she was a boy or a girl and, yeah, he was sort of, uh, he actually did say, he was like, oh, I thought I was getting a brother, <laughs> which is funny because he had said the whole time that she was, he thought she was going to be a girl and he was going to get a sister, but then... I think, I don't know, at the, in that moment after she was born, he'd obviously changed his mind. <laughs> um, so I think he was a little bit confused then for a minute. But he was, he was, yeah, he was really sweet. And he didn't want to hold her initially. Um, so we just left that. And he didn't, he didn't hold her until the next morning, actually. Yeah, she was, she was born at eight. Eight in the evening, and um, by the time I was out of the pool and everything, it was quite late, and he'd been up since 6:30. And I think, you know, he did remarkably well, but I think he was a bit too too tired to actually hold her. Um, but he just sort of did lots of looking, and it was really sweet. I think he gave her a kiss. I can't really remember, but maybe came and stroked her head and. Yeah, it's been a really nice, easy transition for him, which has been lovely. Yeah, I always think it must be so difficult for older siblings who aren't there for the birth and, you know, their mum goes away mm. for the days and then comes back with a baby. And um, Yeah. Yeah, like it must be kind of confusing, especially when they're still toddlers or fairly young. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's... Um, yeah, it was really nice. I'm really glad that he was able to be at the birth. I think it made a big difference. And the midwives were really great because we didn't have a support person for him. So one of the midwives, Marie Louise, just spent most of the time just playing with him um, and hanging out with him. And then as the evening wore on and it got closer, he was just sort of sitting in front of the fire drawing and he'd come over and for a little bit and then go back to his drawings and it was nice that he could just sort of be there but it was up to him how involved he wanted to be mm, yeah yeah that sounds sounds amazing and like it really set him up for a good transition yeah it was, it's been really great I think the bigger age gap is also helpful is there's just over four years between them so yeah yeah yeah. understand a bit more yeah um, yeah so once you'd birthed the placenta how was the rest of that evening did your midwife stick around for a little while and and kind of check you over or yeah they did they um they waited until uh, I can't remember maybe 10 30 or something before they went home um and they just checked to see if I'd torn or anything and I really lucky I just had a tiny little graze but otherwise um, didn't have anything and 
and then they went home and then we all went to bed and they came back. Elizabeth, the main midwife, she came back for the next one. That's all right. <laughs> I just cut out momentarily. Um, um, how was breastfeeding this time around? Was it, um, yeah, challenging again? It was actually so easy and so lovely. I just, I think with Ezra, the, the midwives at the hospital would sort of make him latch, but they wouldn't really show me how to do it. And I just felt really overwhelming and it was like he wasn't quite sure how to do it. But with Lumi, she just she just knew what to do and it was just really easy and I didn't try and I didn't try and help her so much like I did with Ezra I think and and she just did it the way that she needed to do it and it's been it's been a really easy breastfeeding journey so far. Mm. How old is she now? She's seven months old. Seven months. Wow it amazes me when I think um COVID's been around for that long. It's just, I know. Yeah, it's and, been and around all, for so long. And all the babies who have grown up, you know, and toddlers and children, it's affected everybody, but little babies mm. who've only ever known this this strange world. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's funny. She was, I think it was the first day of, stay, the first stage of the first stage three lockdown was the day she was born. So... She's literally just pretty much been at home for seven months. <laughs> yeah, but you're in regional Victoria, is that right? Yeah, we're in regional, so it hasn't been as bad as Melbourne and, and we've definitely had had much more freedom than the rest of you in Melbourne <laughs> or the, the metropolitan um, lockdown yeah. areas. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's still really tough though, and especially with little ones, and you need that kind of support. Um, yeah. What was what was your postpartum like? Were you able to kind of build a little bit of a village support around you um, in the early postpartum? Um, yeah. Well, we couldn't have visitors obviously because it was locked down, but um, we our, some lovely friends were able to bring us meals still. So we felt pretty supported and it was really nice to to also just be able to be at home and have no pressures of going out or anything. Um, with both Ezra and Lumi, I had wanted to do sort of four to six weeks at home in that um, early postpartum period anyway. So in a lot of ways, apart from not being able to have any family visit, or any sort of practical support at home. It was it was sort of great timing for us to be at home. Um, and my partner's not at work at the moment, so it was yeah, it was pretty nice, really. And is that um, I don't know much about um, Chinese medicine, but is that a kind of Chinese medicine that I think that idea of the spending the first month or forty days at home? Yeah, it is. It's um, it's definitely something that's practiced a lot in China. Um, and I didn't do it to the to the full extent. I still went on some walks and stuff like that after the first couple of weeks. Um, but you know, I, I did do a lot of 
just being at home, feeding and eating and really not doing much else, reading stories to Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Were there any other kind of elements of your um, knowledge as a family's medicine practitioner that you brought into your pregnancies, births or postpartum? Um, I did try some with Ezra's pregnancy. I did do, I had a lot of acupuncture um, when I was, when my morning sickness was really bad and it sort of, it did help for that first sort of 24 hours, which it tends to be what happens with acupuncture. It's really good initially, but it, unfortunately I think I would have needed to have it sort of every day to, um, yeah, to have really been able to make a big difference with acupuncture. And I tried taking herbs as well, which would help, but I was also just so nauseous that it was really hard to take them. Yeah, um, not so nice flavoured, can't I? Yeah. <laughs> and then with Lumi's pregnancy, I didn't really take any herbs or I didn't and I didn't get any acupuncture with her pregnancy either um but it was more just postpartum I took herbs and I made sure that I I had a lot of brothy sort of bone broths and stewy type foods that are good for your recovery um yeah and I yeah, I made sure to take my herbs much more regularly than I used to, which definitely helps me feel much better. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. You can find some photos of Victoria and her beautiful babies on Instagram or on the website www.keepbirthwild.com.au. If you're listening in every week and feel that the podcast is worth the price of a coffee once a month, I would love it if you could sign up as a patron to the show. It's a monthly subscription starting at as little as a dollar per week. 25% of proceeds are donated to a charity helping support Indigenous women studying or practicing midwifery and working to improve outcomes for Indigenous parents and babies. You can find out more about the charity on my website as well as links to sign up as a patron. And the remaining amount goes towards supporting me as a little financial contribution to the work that I put into the podcast every week. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.